Hi, and welcome to the Days of Learning podcast. I'm your host, David Nelson, and I am thrilled to have Miss Lynn Greb with us today from Milwaukee Rec. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. Really excited about our, our conversation. You know, we were supposed to do this earlier, and I went, I went, I darned it if I didn't go on vacation, so we had to postpone, and just, I'm just so glad that we could spend a little time talking today. I think that just built the anticipation, so yes, I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity you had to go on vacation, and, and now excited for this chance to talk. You know, you were recommended to me by a mutual friend of ours, and I've known you for years. And when this, the, the idea came for us to talk together, I said, oh, this is going to be so cool because this is about chronic disease and wellness and Milwaukee Rec is all about wellness. But before I ask you my first question, I'm going to tell the audience about you. Lynn Greb is the director of Milwaukee Recreation, leading a team of 84 full-time and more than 1,500 part-time staff. She began her career with the department in 1989 and for the past 30 years has held positions at all levels of the department's ranks. Since assuming what she describes as the best job ever in 2015, Lynn has focused her leadership efforts around equity and is committed to ensuring that all individuals in Milwaukee have access to high quality recreation activities and spaces in which to recreate. One of the accomplishments she is most proud of includes the equity prioritization matrix of the department developed in 2017 to ensure park improvement projects are completed to where the need is the greatest. Oh, we're gonna talk about that one for sure. <laughs> Lynn received her MS and BS degrees from the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. In 2014, Lynn obtained certification as a park and recreation executive. <laughs> wow. Let's talk with her. <laughs> we are doing that just that. Lynn, my first question to all my guests is, tell us about your journey. You've been at Milwaukee Rec for a long time, but your journey goes longer than that. And But just tell us about how you came to where you are now. Sure. Um, well, right. I, I'm older than 30. So my, my uh, journey did not start 30 years ago. It started well before that. But uh, growing up, I grew up in Milwaukee area in, in the suburb of Brown Deer, and I always had an interest in being active, playing sports, um, just, you know, all the extracurricular activities I was able to participate in. So I always thought this is my first love. My favorite subject in school was phi ed. So <laughs> that was probably my best subject too. But um, when I went to school, I, I wasn't really sure about my major and I, I had taken a couple phi ed classes, but I knew I didn't want to be a, a physical education teacher. So I had an intro to recreation class and I was like, wow, you, this is a career. Like you can, you know, it's the best of both worlds. It involves the, the activity side of things, but not necessarily being the teaching side of things. And so that's what I pursued educationally. And, um, I was just really fortunate out of college that I, I landed a part-time job with the recreation department with Milwaukee and that blossomed into a full-time job. And I could not have asked for a better place to work and uh, develop uh, professionally throughout, as, as you said, 30 years. And I think you know nowadays, not many people stay in the same job for that long of a time, but 
the vastness of what we offer as a department was so exciting for me. I saw many opportunities for advancement throughout the years, so there was always that additional challenge. And to me, serving the city of Milwaukee is such a gift um, to be able to do. There's just such such a great need in our community to, you know, to me to convey the the power of recreation and the value it can bring. Uh, hey, you just talked about going on vacation, right? So, you know, everybody, in my opinion, you you work to play, and we're here for you um, when that opportunity presents itself. So. It, it has just been a great journey. Um, I feel like I'm at the pinnacle of my career now. I get to be the really the captain of such an awesome team. Um, to put it in a sports analogy, you know, we're we're always striving for the same goal as a team, and just to be behind that um, work is so fulfilling. And um, just excited to tell you more today. You know, I can hear it in your voice, and I can see it in your eyes for those that are watching. I want to go back, though, because you said, you know, this is longer than a 30-year journey, which I think is always good for people for us to think about. What was it about those early experiences that said that this was the right field for you? I think, you know, for me, it was the feeling that I always got when I was involved. I mean, I just loved high school athletics, like that is, was my motivator. I, I wasn't, I was a B student, I would say. So, you know, I, I got by, but my incentive for going to school was always after school and practice and being a part of a team and um, the thrill of, you know, competing, um, being active. I was always, you know, energetic as a child. I don't know if that would be a, a different a view today, but yeah, I, I had a lot of energy and I, I just loved playing games and making things up. And I mean, I think a lot of us can reflect back on our childhood and how fun it was in the neighborhood to get together with your friends and, you know, play the all the crazy games we played as kids. And that spirit has stayed with me like when I if you ask me like what age do I think I am I, I think mentally I'm like 18 or so like still a teenager in my mind now physically I'm probably not able to be quite as um, athletic as I maybe used to be but that I think just the feeling the euphoria that doing those kind of activities gave me like to do that all day for a career, like to just be behind the scenes of knowing you're making those opportunities happen for people is, is just, it's super rewarding. And when you go, you know, site visits, like that's part of the job to go out and see the, you know, the work that's getting done and you see people benefiting from the programs that you've put in place. Like, it just makes me so, you know, so happy and satisfied to see that because I know how I feel when I get to, you know, participate in things I enjoy and learning new skills and doing something that's good for you, you know, health wise and the, the mental, the physical and knowing you have a part in that for people. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's like I keep, I'm still playing games and still, you know, in that mindset is really cool <laughs> it's like you've been you've, you've only been doing it for a couple of weeks and you're still fresh on the job you said a word that i want to give back to you which was quite powerful to me but you said something to this extent of the spirit of recreation tell me more about that spirit 
you know, it's, I just feel like I've lived and breathed it for so long. Like I just, the value of what these types of, like what you do in your free time, what you, you make the choice to do those things. Nobody's telling you, you have to do this. You choose to do it for various reasons, you know, for the health, for the, the learning, for, you know, whatever the reasons. And I just feel like the value of it you know, I'm just such a believer in it. Like my license plate is recreating, which is, you know, R-E-C-R-E-8-N. I probably shouldn't give that away. You know, people see me out riding around, but like, it's, it's just kind of like part of who I am. You know, it, it's like you walk the talk and um, you talk the walk. I think it's walk the talk, but um, you know, it, it just, yeah, I, I just see the value. Like you, you see young people participating in, you know, youth sports um, lessons or leagues or like, there's such a camaraderie that comes around, you know, activities like that. It's just, I feel like people refer to us as the happy department. Oh, you work for the happy department. And I'm like, yeah, we do. I mean, like a lot of us, you know, convey, like you can see, like you say, you can see it in my, in how I talk about it, that you do, you feel good about what you're, you're doing for people. So, you know, it sure, it sure is better than working for the sad department. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but I, I, you know, as you were talking and, and I couldn't help, but think of, we, th we talk of wellness and we talk of health but you said the spirit, which I, that word just is going to stick with me. And, and, and you have a spirit about you. I got to tell you, you, your spirit is infectious. And I've been told that about myself. So maybe it's like, there's, there's, there's something kindred about this. Right. And I, I will say that I was more like a C student. So I'll just say okay. that. I, well, I had some D's and some A's. So I'm, okay, I'm so with you, David. <laughs> it, all, it all balances out. Indeed, but yep. you talked about the idea of mental and physical and how they go together. And you also use the word camaraderie. Speak into that, that, that as that relates to the spirit. Well, I, I mean, I guess I see that all those things together is really what creates that, that feeling. Like, like it's, I guess it's hard to describe, but I, you know, it, it's, if it's a mindset or, a physical euphoria that, you know, you get from feeling that, you know, you've done, you know, good things for the community. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what's here, like, like mm. what you feel here, you know, as it's just, it just helps to believe in what you're doing. And, and I think that that's how it comes through. So, yeah, I, Hard to sometimes, describe a spirit. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just gotta, we have a saying in some of the work I do, just say, come see and come see what we do. And, and, and then you'll you'll get that feeling too. But I, you know, I'm glad you use that words to describe it. But tell us about uh, Milwaukee Rec, what you do. Because frankly, you're the size of a mid-sized corporation with 1600 employees. That is massive. So tell us about Milwaukee Rec for those who might be new or those who might think that uh, that they don't know what this is. Well, thank you for that opportunity. And I, I always say like, we just quietly go about our work and we do tremendous things that many people in our city still don't know about. And we've, so we, we were founded in 1911 and um, 
it's unique here in Wisconsin that there is legislation that allows school districts the ability to levy tax dollars to provide community recreation services. And so what you find in some communities throughout our state is the school district is actually the entity that is responsible for organizing the community recreation. And, and that's the case here in Milwaukee. So we, we fall under the auspices of the Milwaukee Public Schools and the Board of School Directors, but we have the charge to provide the recreation services for the entire city, whether you attend MPS or you did or have family that does, it doesn't matter. Um, regardless, if you live in the city or even out of the city, we are, you know, the provider of the community services for you. And so um, what's unique for us with this structure is that most of our activities are held in school facilities. And the, the neat part about that is that we can put the majority of our dollars into programming. So we're masters of programming. Like when you see our booklet come out, it comes out four times a year, it's mailed to every city of Milwaukee household. You'll see pages, you know, up to 80 pages of all different um, opportunities for youth, adults, uh, seniors. And that's in a large part because we run our programs in the school building. So we don't have the capital output that a lot of cities have when they run their own community centers. Um, and so that relationship, I, I really, we pride ourselves on that. I think it's really unique. I think it's a smart way to do business. And, um, and so we are referred to as the city of the lighted schoolhouse because in the early days, in the early 1900s, the idea was the lights were left on in the evening for the residents to come and participate in these social center activities. And that's continued and endured for well over 100 years now. Um, and so we, um, as far as what the types of programs we offer, it's, it's vast, as you can imagine. Um, we really put our programs into like five buckets. We, we run an after school uh, portion of, of things. We have over 100 locations that we provide after school programs for young people throughout Milwaukee. We have a um, athletics and sports division that runs all of the youth sports leagues um, for the community and high school athletic programs. We also have citywide programs and that is uh, a number of things. We do a therapeutic recreation um, programming for individuals with disabilities that want a very unique experience. Um, we have Special Olympics, Adaptive Athletics, Aquatics, Senior Adult Programs, Outdoor Education. Uh, we actually operate a farm, <clears throat> excuse me, in Dousman, Wisconsin in partnership with the DNR. So students can go out and see where their food comes from in a lot of cases. Um, and um, we also then another uh, area of our operations is our playgrounds and community centers. Um, our twilight teen centers. So we run free teen centers in the evenings for young people. I mentioned the book with the 80 pages of classes. And then lastly is our operational functions. So in addition to all of the community centers, we operate out of the school buildings. We also manage 52 play fields that we um, program and maintain and do all of the adult sports leagues, the softball, the kickball, um, many of those traditional activities. So 
we could go on and on about the details, but I think, you know, what's difficult is it's so vast, it's hard to put it into like one, one piece and say, this is who we are. Because whenever I just, people describe what we do, they're always like, I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you ran a farm. And, and what I'll say is what I feel most, you know, strongly and proud of is the affordability that our programs are made available. So we're tax supported. And so a portion of tax dollars that go to our operation allow us to offer our programs at a, a significantly reduced fee. Um, and also in some cases free, we do free teen centers, free summer playgrounds. We were able to partner with the Red Cross and do $5 swim lessons right before COVID. So we look forward to getting that back up and going, but just getting more people to learn how to swim. Um, so yeah, we, I could probably go on and on, but I'll stop there in case there's follow-up or. Well, I, I am fascinated by the way you describe that Lynn and I was struck by the idea when you started off with um, that we were founded in 1911. And I love that phrase, the city of the lighted school. Yeah. Tell me, because I am oriented to the community. Tell me what that concept of city of the lighted school means to the community. I don't know that a lot of people really make the connection to it. And I, and we are on a, a mission to, we've kind of done some rebranding over the past year because we do a lot of times what comes up in our SWOT analysis is, you know, as far as a weakness is our branding and, and getting, you know, the word out about who we are. And a lot of like, so all of our outdoor playgrounds, you know, have the symbol city of the lighted schoolhouse on the signage, but if you ask people what that means, I, I'm not sure many would be able to articulate that connection. But whenever we talk to other cities and tell them, yeah, we, we run our programs in schools, they're like, you run your programs in school? Like, how do you do that? Like, they're so intrigued by it because they, a lot of other cities have such a difficult time connecting with their school district and making that partnership to you know share facilities and it only makes sense to me i mean here's these buildings sitting you know empty at night on the weekends like why not take advantage of that and and so to me whoever came up with that you know concept is yeah really for you know forward thinking at the time <laughs> So let's do a little marketing then. So what would you want people to know about that concept, the City of the Lighted Schoolhouse? What do you think, of, you know, with your history and your tenure in recreation, how do the two, how would you like the two to be envisioned together? Well, what I would say is that from a taxpayer standpoint, you have the best of both worlds in your community. And so we're being, we're being responsible with the taxpayer dollars because we're saying that we're not asking you to support, you know, additional infrastructure. Um, what we're saying is that we already have the buildings. Now let us do what we do best. And that's the programming. And we can offer you such a large complement of programs because we're not so focused on worrying about the infrastructure. Um, so I, I think we should be proud of that, you know, 
-hmm. setup that we have in Wisconsin. And, and there's other communities around Milwaukee that are run similarly to Milwaukee um, as far as connections with the school district. And um, we meet on occasion as a group because we have some unique um, matters to talk about how we are structured, but um, it just, in general, it just makes sense to me. And, you know, back in, back in the early 1900s, there was a lot of immigrants in the community. So schools were used for foreign language classes. I mean, through the recreation mm -hmm. and showers and meals. And I can't help but think like how often things come full circle. And a big part of what we do today is provide free summer meals for young people. Um, the district is obviously doing a lot of meals now during the COVID during the school shutdown, but um, just how those social services kind of ebb and flow over time. And I, I really feel like we're in a place right now where um, what we do as an organization is still a lot of that same work that was you know, needed in the early 1900s. Um, so. I, I can't help but when I, when I want to envision that um, the idea of the lighted schoolhouse means that it's a safe place it's a place that people can come and frankly it's the fun place where you know if you need a, um, a some recreation shower or meal or, or learning languages that actually is that is not a burdensome that that is a fun thing but the idea of a safe space within the community that's pretty important wouldn't you think so oh absolutely i, I mean especially you know as when I first started in the late 80s, we really didn't run any childcare camps. Um, we did a lot of after school activities, but I think, you know, the family structure, things were different back then that, that the term latchkey hadn't quite come on the scene yet. But as we saw the need for more of that um, wraparound type of service for young people, our, you know, we started one childcare camp, then it was several. And, you know, as I mentioned up to today where we have over a hundred schools that can be that, that space for young people after the school day ends to stay for that extra help or, you know, just supervision if nobody's at home at that point after the school day. So I think you're right. A lot of people identify school as a safe place. And so, using those spaces for recreation um, kind of carries the same, I would hope the same kind of feeling for people. Um, you know, one of the social determinants that we, we speak of, we, we often don't talk about it as much as others. We, for example, talk about food security more than we do about education. But the one that I think that gets shortchanged in this is the idea of social cohesion and social connectedness. And I can't help but thinking the city of the lighted schoolhouse as a place for social connectedness and social cohesion. And frankly, as we just discussed, as a safe place for people to go would be an extremely important part of the stickiness that makes our city the great city that it is. Yeah, it's funny you you use the word the social because early on, um, what we now call like teen centers or twilight centers, community centers were they were called social centers. So that is kind of the origin of you know this idea of bringing people together 
um, in this in this space for obviously social activities and so forth. So the name may have changed, but I don't feel the the concept and the value of it obviously you know endures. It's full circle, and it's, yeah. it goes back to again what was once old is new again, right? I, uh -huh. I never had a leisure. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. I never had the leisure suit, but you know the things come back and. <laughs> <laughs> right. I thought you would get the joke. <laughs> you know, Lynn, I want to ask you in this journey that you've been on, let's say someone who doesn't know recreation, they say, oh, it's 21st century. Recreation is no longer relevant. What would you say to them? Well, I guess I would say, well, what do you like to do in your free time? And, um, you know, based on the response, but I, I would gather I would get something related to recreation. Um, they may not think of it as such, because maybe the way we're talking today, it's it's a little bit more of a formal setting. You know, there may be an instructor in the class teaching you something, but at the end of the day, the the term, you know, really is, is those things you do in your free time um, really is considered recreation. So I, it's, it's such a global term. Um, I think it's really just how you look at it. We we are a little more formal in some cases, but in other cases, you know, we are providing those drop-in situations. Um, we have all these play fields that you can come to anytime and use. You don't need a permit or you know an, an instructor to to lead you. You can you know do your own your own activities. But um, so it's kind of how you define it, I guess. How, was, how would you, let me ask it another way, but how would you say it's evolved in, in the time that you've been here? Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, well, certainly what I, I talked to you about with the, um, the childcare camps, mm -hmm. you know, when I first came that we didn't have anything like that, that obviously has changed. And also in the 90s, there was um, a lot of need for like teen programming that became, you know, really a focus of us, our operation and offering teen centers. There was a lot of funding from the federal government at that time to create those spaces. And then that kind of fell off and then that came back around, you know, a handful of years ago, we really um, shifted our focus and started offering more free spaces for teens again. Um, the other thing is, is the professional um, staff, like the, the longevity of staff. Uh, when I came, when I started, it, first of all, it was very hard to get in um, to a position because they rarely opened up because everybody that started working here stayed and retired from the department. And I'm probably one of the last that has that long of a tenure. I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's just different approaches to uh, professional work nowadays like people don't stay in jobs like they once did and so there's you know there's that ever kind of constant transition between staffing so that continues to make it challenging when you don't have the longevity you get the freshness in but um you're start, start starting over you know on occasion with training and and so forth um i'm trying to think of any other I mean, I know there's a lot, you know, I think um, just the, you know, evolving with types of activities, like what's interesting to people, you know, catching on the latest trends, um, 
you know, like, like the Zumba was really popular for years mm -hmm. and then that kind of fell off. And, you know, so always what is that next niche that we can get involved in? We, we offered classes on raising chickens because the city passed an ordinance that allowed people to, you know, hold, uh, raise chickens in their yard. And so <laughs> we offered, you know, classes on that. And so I guess partly it depends on where we are as, as a society and, and you know what people are interested in but um, we try to stay current with that and and keep challenging ourselves i love that and i love it i love the image of let's offer a chicken class yeah i think it was called urban chicken farming <laughs> but yes it, i can see the staff meeting i've got an idea I, I like... <laughs> right I know, I know. But when you say that, it's the idea of what people like to do in their free time. And people do like to raise chickens in their free times or figure out where their food comes from. So having a farm is extremely relevant. And I think sometimes people can have a closed mind and they think that um, they don't want to spend any more money or that frankly, some people just don't want to spend any money. And so those aren't the people we're interested in. It's really the idea of how we can, you said be responsible with the, with the funding. And I, I would call that good stewardship, which I, I know that there's good value. Brag about your staff because you got a, you got a little, you got yourself an army there, Lynn. And so tell me about your staff. Man, I mean, if you can pick a job where you, you like everybody you work with, like this is the place. I mean, first of all, I think, people that are drawn to this profession um, naturally, first of all, are people oriented because that, that's a huge part of what we do is working with the public and serving, you know, the community. Um, so naturally, you know, likes being around people and, and providing um, opportunities for people to, you know, experience positivity. Um, a lot of us like sports. So there, there's generally banter about, you know, sports teams and, and just general conversation about that. So, um, but I think at the end of the day, like we're all, we're in this field because we really believe in the power of what it does and um, the satisfaction that it, it gives you uh, to do this work. And so we have, you know, staff from all different backgrounds, like not everybody that works here has a, a degree in recreation. In fact, far less probably have that degree nowadays, and, and maybe they have a degree in social work or education or um, I'm trying to, I mean, obviously facilities, landscaping, you know, things that are not directly aligned with the term recreation, but the, the work we do um, aligns quite well with a lot of those um, fields of study. So the, I think the diversity is another, you know, really great part about our department. We have a very diverse team um, and we just, everybody brings something different to the, to the table. And, um, but like I say, at the end of the day, we want the best for our city and we, we want to do what we can to make sure there's opportunities for everybody. And we still have a lot of work to do, but we've, we've been on a path with some of our equity work to you know, really ramp up um, what's available to people. I love that phrase, the power of what it does in, in recreation. And I go back to that city of the lighted schoolhouse as that safe place for people to come regardless of where they're coming from, but that safe place 
I want you to talk about that because this show is about creating equity in our society and naming those injustices that exist. How is recreation a part of that journey of toward equity? Yeah, um, I think, you know, a big part of it for me started when um, we had been looking at our outdoor facility spaces and we do a great job with programming the sites, but the, the infrastructure was starting to fall behind. And um, we just were struggling with where to start, you know, in making improvements. Um, and so we, we did an analysis of all the sites and we got some criteria back and they were all in pretty rough shape. So we were like, okay, do we, you know, flip a coin, start alphabetically? I mean, like, how do we go about this? And that, and that's when I was at a, a training and somebody from another city had presented a, a way they looked at similar work by coming up a methodology that would measure various characteristics in the community from anywhere from you know, looking at each site and in the surrounding neighborhood and what is the poverty level and what is the crime rate and how many young people, you know, live in that vicinity under 18. And, you know, so we, we came up with our own methodology and, and really looked at all that and, and then came up with a score for each of our sites based on equity. And that's where we started that work. And so like you said in my bio, I mean, that that really is one of the things like as I get towards the end of my career that I feel like so satisfied with because a lot of work just isn't being done that way. And we owe it to our city and we owe it to, you know, the people that live in our community that maybe don't don't advocate for themselves or have the the systems in place or the the connections to do that kind of work. And so it's, is it fair that they don't have a voice? And, and, and now by us taking this priority list and going into these communities that maybe they don't even have a, a neighborhood organization, but we're, we're still gonna go door to door, you know, around the block and talk to people and get feedback on how they wanna see this play space, you know, revitalized. And so, that was a big part of it. And really from that, I went and I went to one other training and the question they asked at this training was, you know, is it enough that you send your, your community rec book out to people? And if they sign up, that's great. But if they don't sign up, oh, well, you know, we sent it out and that's, that's not our fault. And I was like thinking about that question. I'm like, that is so true. I mean, we mail out like 200 and 49,000 copies of this book, but, you know, we don't have 249,000 households registering, but you can't say, well, you know, well, we did it. We mailed it out. Now it's up to you, David, and your family to sign up. No, we got to go deeper with that work and make connections with other groups in our community. Not everybody's going to avail themselves through this, you know, uh, citywide mailing. And so that led to us creating our own, we call it our Requity Committee, because, you know, you always got to get the rec in, into things. <laughs> so instead yeah. of equity, we, we call ourselves the Requity Group. And it's made up of a team of our staff. And we started doing some basic training around equity and uh, introducing the concept um, the terminology to our team and 
you know, looking at ourselves and our privileges and, and really doing some of that self-exploration and then making that connection to the community that we serve. And so we continue with that work. Um, we also have a team diversity that we meet on occasion, just to talk about stuff, things happening in the world and, and way we're feeling about things. And, and then we came up with a, an inclusion policy. Um, so our commitment to make sure that as when you read earlier in the bio, you know, that our programs are open to everybody and that there aren't and if there is a barrier, we want to work with that person to, um, you know, get through that. And then, lastly, um, we we did a comprehensive ADA plan a couple of years ago to assess the um, accessibility of all of our facilities and then prioritize improvements around that. So, like I say, there's still work to. We want to connect with different um, ethnic groups in our city and find out how can we, you know, work together to be, you know, a resource to some groups. You know, maybe only want to recreate within their own, you know, uh, group, their own ethnic group, and so forth. They're not going to come to the the lighted schoolhouse, but we still can, you know, work together and try to, you know, collaborate and assist with maybe leveraging resources to help, again, ensure everybody has that opportunity. This is such a fascinating concept and, and we could spend hours on this. What has been the impact of this equity work that you're doing? Okay, so, well, a couple of examples. One is um, through that we did a, a mini, uh, well, I don't wanna use copyright, but it, it's a shark, you know, what, sh what fish live in, sure. I'll let you <laughs> shark tank type of activity. And, oh. and every team had to present their um, solution to an issue around equity that they were struggling with. So we had, I think it was five teams present. One of the teams talked about people aren't taking advantage of our scholarship program. We have a, a scholarship program for youth that if you can't afford, you know, the class, if you are uh, receiving subsidies, you know, have an economic need that we want to help, you know, pay for those programs. And so they revamped the scholarship. They changed the name. It's called Everyone Plays now. We did a big marketing push. And lo and behold, we got a huge response from people submitting applications to, um, we provide $100 a year for qualifying youth to use uh, towards recreation. And it, it turned that program around. Whereas before we get a smattering of, you know, a scholarship here, scholarship there, word of mouth and so forth. But by this equity work we were doing, we challenged our team to identify a problem in your area and come up with a solution. And by doing that, we, you know, now, I mean, the scholarships, you know, come in more routinely. And I feel like we're reaching a lot more people that that can benefit from that. So that was one example. Um, another one was a uh, staff did a video on the bathrooms at one of our South side. Um, we do, as a matter of fact, have a couple, two standalone centers that we operate. They aren't schools, but we have one on the South side that's um, programs for seniors and individuals with disabilities mm -hmm. and the bathroom. They did a video of one of the participants trying to maneuver into the restroom stall showing how inaccessible it was. And 
I was like, this is crazy. And so we now have a contract already in queue. We have a designer on board and um, we will be making those renovations to that space um, this spring. So we, we can, once we can welcome people back physically into our programs um, at that site, uh, hopefully it, it's much better experience with, with that, so. I love those two examples and, and the idea of everybody plays, the idea of providing resources where they're needed most, as well as people with different abilities. What's been the reaction from the community about such programming like this? You know, I think that's one of the challenges of being such a large um, entity is that sometimes the feedback maybe doesn't make it all the way to, you know, like me or, you know, a manager, it may come at a um, more of a, a level of, you know, with our part-time staff or, or maybe it's appreciated, but not, you know, conveyed. Um, I can share an example of we, we renovated um, I, uh, the Southgate play field this past year. We removed a tremendous amount of asphalt and added all this green space and took this, you know, dilapidated play structure. It's new, new play um, equipment, a splash pad, basketball, and the, the amount of um, the response from the neighborhood of appreciation for this transformation, um, it was unbelievable. I mean, we're still in the COVID, you know, um, cautions right now. So we couldn't do a big in-person party, but we will when, when it's appropriate. We did a virtual ribbon cutting this year, but um, people can still go and, and you know, use it um, safely. But the appreciation uh, from the surrounding neighborhood it is, you know, has come through. And, and so I know there's a lot of gratitude, but maybe it's just not always, you know, verbally conveyed or that I, I received myself. Right on. Where do you see this going, say 25, the next 25 years? What's possible? Well, we're, we're in the midst right now of um, preparing for our agency accreditation review, which is coming up in May. And that has been about a, a three-year project. And so, um, First and foremost, we want to get through the get accredited as an organization, which I think to me will be the kind of final seal of approval on, you know, we have arrived. Um, we check all those boxes in spite of our 100 plus year history. Um, we needed to tighten up some of our processes and, and make sure we were, you know, operating um, to the highest level in terms of uh, what the National Association deems is necessary as an organization. And so my hope is that, first of all, that that continues, um, that the accreditation stays in place. And that's you know incumbent on the staff to carry that forward um, in, the, in the future years, uh, which is you know, still a, a good amount of work. But I hope that you know, the core values that we hold and the, and the, the things that really have made us who we are, um, the history, uh, we're rewriting, we're actually adding to our history. We, we had the history written up till about 1980. Mm -hmm. And um, we are now picking up the 1980s and carrying that up to present day. So we want to preserve a lot of that history. 
but I hope that like, especially the value of affordability mm -hmm. um, is maintained and, you know, the, the commitment to serving everybody um, that wants to be a part of our programs and that we're, we continue to, to work to meet the needs of the people that don't just naturally, you know, acclimate to our programs, but that we are, we work hard to make sure that everybody that wants to be involved can be, and that we're, we're really serving the needs of the community and, and identifying what those needs are. I think it's at a really important point, and I've been around here long enough to know that there is a lot of good work that just goes unnoticed. So the more that, as you had said, we need to go beyond just mailing the brochures, and we need to go deeper in making those connections and building those relationships to let people know that this is available to them. I, I got to ask you, because this is about health. I mean, we've been talking about everything but that, but I think it fits in nicely with this. How does recreation and health go together from your experience and, and tenure as, as part of recreation? <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. And we, uh, we do kind of, you know, laugh a little bit as a staff is that a lot of times, you know, I think ours takes a back seat um, because we're, we're out there running our programs in the evenings, on the weekends, you know, year round and as you know, from, from lots of, you know, all the work you do inside and outside of your profession, um, sometimes we're the last ones to take care of ourselves. And so even though we, you know, we are around a, a culture that promotes, you know, positive um, activities and um, we don't always take good care of ourselves in that regard. And, and I'm right there with everybody else. So uh, we have to do a better job of that as, as people, you know, um, like I said earlier, um, walking the talk, um, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it, I don't know if you get caught up in, you know, what you're doing and maybe you just, you know, you enjoy it so much that it, it doesn't become a first thought of yours, like, oh, I got to do, do my own. But then I will say like, a lot of us do, you know, we are active, you know, sure. physically, we, you know, some of that is learned, learned behavior and, and we had it, you know, growing up and it stayed with us. And so, you know, when we, when we do make a commitment, we have a step challenge right now as a staff. So we're, you know, challenging ourselves to um, stay at least moving throughout the day. But um, if, if that's what you were getting at, I think Let's, let's you know, I think that's always that's always a good reminder for us, especially in the world of Zoom, that uh, we shouldn't be Zooming for 12 <laughs> hours without from the chair, if you will. Indeed, but I want to yeah. go another route because I want you to speak from the idea of the health of the community and recreation. How do you think recreation supports a healthy community? Then? Oh, well, I mean, for for certain, just in terms of the the offerings of programs. I mean, mm -hmm. everything that is available to people to participate in um, and, and also the open space that is available. I mean, I mentioned, we, you know, we ourselves operate 52 play fields, but the county parks has uh, facilities, the city has facilities. So I think we're pretty fortunate in Milwaukee for access to open space. Um, yeah, and, and so, 
boy, that's that's a good question, David. I, I'm I, I'm struggling a little bit with because I just think it's kind of a natural thing. Like, okay, you know, here it is. It's there before you. So again, I think it kind of comes back to that piece about you can't just expect people to, you know, get it for themselves. Sometimes we have to be the conduit that, you know, makes connections for people. And, you know, one of the things I, I we're going to try to do a better job on is being more immersed in the neighborhoods at our, at these play fields that we are now renovating. And so we are working, we're doing a, a, a number of community engagement it's a little more challenging now um, doing things virtually, but um, we are, we will get back to that. But with the community engagement, we're talking to residents about what they would like to see at their neighborhood play field. And so based on that feedback, we're gonna you know, develop our programming around those desires. So I think that's important as, as an organization is not to just assume what people want but you know, the whole community engagement is getting that feedback and then developing your programs based on that feedback. So we're starting a small program at a elementary school on the north side this spring and all the classes are based on what the residents gave us as feedback for their top classes. So if these don't fill up or <laughs> at least get minimums, um, I would be surprised, but I think, yeah, the other piece of, our, you know, part of our role is really identifying where the gaps are um, and then working with the community to, to fill those gaps. Um, so. You know, that really said it well, and you've been, you've been on the edges of this, but you've mentioned several times this idea of collaboration. You said community engagement, this idea of being immersed. And health is really is more than just an offering where it's healthcare access or a place to go. People have to have that connecting point. And when you talk about the idea of you can't just have programming, but you got to have the idea of playgrounds and programming and a way for people to get access to that. And so maybe this whole thing is about the idea of, again, the City of the Lighted Schoolhouse, the place where people know that they are welcomed. And that they are, that they can be, they can find what we can find out what their needs are, and strive to meet their needs. Yeah, for sure. Um, because you know, ideally, everybody would be able to walk to you know within walking distance of of a park or a space where they can you know recreate. Um, and we're you know we're not there yet, but certainly accessibility is is a huge part and you know to your point about collaboration i boy the number of partnerships that we have i mean we aren't doing this work alone by any means you know we we have a um i mean first of all with our after school programs we partner with a number of community based agencies that that partner to hire staff and work in the schools with us to provide those programs our partnership for the arts program boy, tremendous amount of arts and humanities partners that we um, interact with to provide these programs, you know, through us. So you're right, it's not, it's not just about for sure what we do, but it's what we do in partnership with all these other organizations that really make, make things happen. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because boy, this is not just a, a Milwaukee recreation 
uh, initiative by any means. Well, it, you know, as we think about this, and I was thinking about that you've been in this space for some 110 years, you guys must be doing something right throughout the city. And this is never about one organization or one thing going around because this is big, you know, the city is bigger than any one of us, but it's how we build those collaborations. And I think part of that work is built around equity, is about inclusion, is about thinking what the neighbors want and not just what we ought to give them. You know, that gives us something to build on for the future. Absolutely. And one of the unique parts about when we started the Community Learning Center program in the late 90s, which was targeting schools that weren't meeting, you know, proficiency standards and helping students academically and, and physically after school. We had a unique model where we partnered with, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations that knew the families, the students of that school, the neighborhood, they were from the neighborhood. And that brings a whole nother level of you know trust and um, knowledge that we didn't have that really I thought was just one of the most creative parts of that whole um, program and that still you know still remains today. That's fantastic. Yeah. Lynn what gives you hope in the area of recreation and what you do as you look forward? I just well I always think it's just going to be around like I, I can't see when the day will come that all people do is is just work and go home and that's that. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, there's always going to be another, you know, what um, 16 hours in a day or maybe more, maybe some less um, that need to be filled between sleep and, you know, shopping and whatever else but like to me, it recharges you, it, it resets your mental health. And so unless we become robots, you know, in a hundred or 200 more years, I feel like there always is going to be that desire to whatever it looks like. And again, I'm not putting recreation in a box. I'm not saying it's, it's just sports or it's just, you know, crafts or things like that, you know, whatever it is, I, I feel like it, it's always going to be around and, and it's gonna be that thing that people go to for rejuvenation and for you know good feelings and happiness. And I don't see that ever going away. Um, so I'm hopeful, you know, for that that legacy of of this thing we call recreation will will be there. You know, I, I never was interested in being a robot anyway, so <laughs> like I, I know yeah, I, I wasn't, but that idea of rejuvenation, the idea of energy and the idea of happiness is something that we do want to see as we go forward. Lynn, is there anything else you want to tell our audience today? Well, I should have some compelling conclusion, but well, I mean, I just want to say how how much I appreciate the chance, you know, we could talk for forever, um, or at least I could about, you know, the work that we do and how fortunate I feel to be in this role. And it, it's just so, I really enjoyed it because, you know, every day we don't really talk about it. We're just kind of head down, doing the job, doing the work, you know, do onto the next project. But when you really sit back and, and take a look at 
the the impact that your work has it, it it's cool to talk about and i hope the listeners enjoy it and you know give thoughts i was on a, a webinar recently and the instructor said okay i want everybody to think of a hobby and i was sat there and i was like oh what hobbies do i have i was struggling with it and then she said you know adults have such a hard time with that question and i was like right on you know um so i hope nobody has that that challenge that when when you're asked to think of a hobby i hope something really pops right into your head and excites you and if it doesn't you know hey look up milwaukee recreation and let us help you find a hobby um but you know just take advantage of your of your free time and, and find something that really makes you happy your excitement and enthusiasm not only for your work but for your for life is evident um it is such a joy to talk to you and uh, and i'm so glad that our audience could get to know uh, milwaukee recreation just a little bit better uh lynn how can people find milwaukee rec where do they go well, if you have access to the internet, I, I think our website is fantastic. Um, we even have stories on it. So, you know, human interest stories, you can find out about things going on, but milwaukeerecreation.net, that's our website. Um, pretty easy to remember, all one word, milwaukeerecreation.net. And then our, our main phone line is 414-475-8180. Give us a call. Our spring classes will start um, probably around the end of March. So that, that activity guide will be going out um, later part of February. And, you know, we just keep moving through COVID and hope that um, we're going we're gonna to fill our a few pools this spring and start getting back small, small size classes, but it's a step in the right direction. So gradually I see things, you know, light at the end of the tunnel here but um let us help if we can if you have ideas share them we're always trying to you know improve things that is fantastic and i know that she is a woman of her word lynn grab of milwaukee recreation thank you for coming on the days of learning podcast today thanks so much david it was so fun i appreciate it what a powerful story Lynn and her team have crafted around recreation in the city of Milwaukee. She started off with talking about the history and how recreation was viewed as the city of the lighted schoolhouse here in this community. But she went so much deeper in talking about programming, talking about the idea of collaboration and making connections to the community. It was such a joy to talk to her, to think about how we think about health and to think about the well-being of our citizens, that idea of that recreation is fully integrated with our community and that it is a part of the glue that holds us together and that it can be so much more than just something fun, but it can really be something meaningful and something actually that can change someone's life. I hope you've enjoyed this Days of Learning podcast. I am your host, David Nelson. And if you enjoyed this podcast, drop us a line. We ask you to listen, to subscribe, and then to uh, pass it on to others. Until next time, I am your host, and this is the Days of Learning podcast. Goodbye.